0: So we've, we've been um, in this series called From This Day Forward, and what we're doing is we're talking about how can we make some, some healthy commitments to move our relationships in a, in a good direction from this day forward. All of us have relationships that in the past we've made some terrible decisions. Uh, we've, we, we have relationships where we've said some things that have been hurtful. Uh, if, if you're married, you've said some things that have been hurtful, and you're, you wish you could reel it back in, you wish you could take it back, and you can't. Um, God promises us that his mercies are new every day, and that should be encouraging to all of us. Aren't you thankful for God's grace in your life? Because we all need God's grace, and, and so this series is all about the, the closest relationships, whether it be dating relationships, marriage relationships, parenting, uh, close friends, even some in the office that we've, we've talked about. Some of these, these principles are applicable in so many different ways, but from this day forward, there's some things that we could do um, that would help us move in a good direction. So recap just the last three weeks. Uh, And last week I asked you what we talked about the week before and none of you could answer. And so it was depressing. So I'm not going to ask you this week. I'm just going to show you what we talked about. Um, The first week we talked about this idea and and, and we talked with some counselors and and some therapists and some other pastors. And one of the primary challenges in marriages and, and in families and in dating is that you get off the same page. Like, so you you begin this this journey, and you start to to, to travel separately, and all of a sudden, you're in different ballparks. You're, you're not even close to being on the same page. And so getting back on the same page, and, and for us as a church, we believe that best page is to say, you know what? Regardless of what else we disagree on, we're going to seek God together. We're going to keep Christ central in our marriage. And that's a difficult thing to do over time. And we had one takeaway from that week. If you remember, it was to... Pray together. Yeah, if you could pray together, which is uncomfortable at first, and over time it's uncomfortable, but it helps open you up. So praying together, get on the same page. The second week we talked about communication. And communication over time for us often is about exchanging information. Uh, Like Robin and I, uh, my wife, we have three kids, and so often like we're being pulled in so many different directions. Hey, what time do I need to get Charlie? And then how's Calvin getting to his... Uh, soccer game yesterday morning. We had two games at eight o'clock, one down off of Camelback and one off of Mountain View. And they started at the same time, but one had to be there at seven, one had to be there at 740 and who was going to get to where. And the night before our other son had a a, a cross country meet in Casa Grande and he started running at like 945 at night. And so it was like, I'm just going to sleep in and I hope you figure it out. Right. (laughs) And, and that doesn't go over real well. Um, and, and, um, And so communication becomes this exchange of information. But what we said that week, and if you missed it, you can go back on YouTube, what we said that week was that communication is the pathway to a shared life. Like you can't really share life together unless you begin to communicate in healthy ways. And it's not just about exchanging information. It's about opening yourself up, exposing who we really are and talking through the things in life that are most important. Does that make sense? So communicate for the purpose of connecting, not sharing information is what we what we chatted about. And then last week, we talked about having serious fun and choosing joy. And I had a couple people who said, I wish you would have told me before I brought my kids into the room that you were going to talk about belly button to belly button fun. And if you don't know what belly button to belly button fun is, um, it's only for married couples and um, it starts in the kitchen, sometimes it ends in the kitchen, which is awesome, and you'll have to go back and watch last week if you missed it, because now you're like, what in the world? Some of you are like, can I watch it right now without him knowing what I'm watching? Um, but we talked about having serious fun last week and how so many couples just over time, you, you quit having fun together, and it's important to, to plug back in. Uh, this week I want to talk about a couple of things as we wrap this series up that I think are key and essential for for healthy relationships. Just to continue on in the series, Paul writes something that I think is helpful for us in in a number of different um, avenues and, and spheres of our lives. And so often when we walk through life, we have experiences that are either incredibly exciting or incredibly painful. And we get caught in our past. We get caught either thinking those were the good old days. Have you ever found yourself saying those were the good old days? I wish I could just go back. Or Um, I wish I could just go back and change that. We become bitter over time because we wish we could go change something that happened. And Paul is writing in Philippians and he says this, "Um, this one thing I do is I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. And this idea, this concept is that that over time, as we get locked into the past or, or we somehow, something gets in us from the past, whether it's good or bad, um, that it's important to move past the past, to get past the past and, and begin moving in a healthy direction to where we should be in the future. And some of us um, who have been married for, for any amount of time, we know how this happens, right? Like something happens that hurts us and it's difficult to move past it. It keeps coming up again and again and again. When you have a fight, it's the one thing that you're going to bring up. You know you're going to bring it up. You're like, if she says that, I'm saying this because she did that to me. And, and we can't get past it. And Paul is writing about some of his past. And Paul, who was one of the very first Christians, um, at, at a point in his life, he was actually persecuting and killing Christians. And so it would be easy for Paul to get caught up in his past and just, oh, I can't get past what I did, and I wish I could, and I, you know, God, God forgives us, and he gives us hope from this day forward to move in a healthy direction, and he says, so I'm going to forget the past, and I'm going to look forward. Um, someone said this to me once in marriage, that marriage should be like driving a car, in that the windshield is incredibly um, large when you compare it to the rearview mirror. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, the windshield, rearview mirror. Now, the rearview mirror is important, right? It's, it's important to, to keep an eye on where we've been. and um, But, but our, our windshield should be our primary focus when we drive our car. Where are we going together? Let's not get caught too much in the past. Now, let me say this. If you are in an abusive relationship, I, th- I'm not. that's not the kind of relationship I'm talking about. That's not the car you want to be in. If you're in an abusive, unhealthy relationship, that's not about just forgetting what happened in your past. No, no, there's some other conversations. But in healthy relationships that maybe just have some painful pieces of your past, how can that windshield become a little bit larger than the rearview mirror? Now, as we make some choices in dating, uh, moving towards marriage, and then once we get into marriage, there's this interesting thing that happens, especially in our culture, where we begin to think marriage is nothing more than a contract. It's a contractual relationship. And when God talks about marriage, he talks about it in, in, in the picture, in, in the idea, the concept of a covenant. So we, we would say a contract versus a covenant. And there there's some incredible differences between these two things. If, if I'm in a contractual relationship, I am going to try as, as, as much as I can to limit my responsibility, aren't I? Like I want to give as little money as possible right? I'm going to protect myself as much as I can in a contract. And this is not a healthy marriage. It's not healthy to to be moving towards marriage. If you're dating or if you're thinking about dating, to think about marriage as nothing more than a contract is just not what God's ideal is in Scripture, but rather this spiritual, sacred covenant that increases our responsibility and limits our, our protection or our rights, where we say, I am all in 100%, as difficult as that may be, I'm, I'm, all, I'm going all in. That's, that's the, the God picture of marriage, is a covenant, not just a contract. Um, last week, we said this, that choices lead us and feelings will follow. So, so often in, in relationships, it's, we're driven by our feelings, but a, a healthy view of relationship is that my choices are what lead me and my feelings will, will trail. They'll follow behind that. I can't be led by my feelings because then it'll lead me all over the place. Um, anybody moody in the room? Any moody people? <laughs> You're in church. God knows. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all moody from time to time. And if we're driven by our, our emotions and our, our feelings, we would be all over the place in our relationships. We have to make some significant choices. And here's the first choice I want to challenge you to today, regardless of where you are in your, in your closest relationships. Again, like whether it's dating, marriage, is to pursue purity. Here's the, the first choice, is to pursue purity in your relationship. Not just as a couple, but as an individual. Now, I, 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 don't, I don't think I have to spend a ton of time on this one, But so often, um, and men, I want to talk to you specifically just for a second. Um, So often, men, we think purity is about our outward behavior. And we think outwardly, as long as we don't do anything physically with someone else, that that makes me pure. And the truth is, purity, pursuing purity, isn't just about external behavior. It's about internal heart and mind activity as well. And men, come on, if we can be honest with each other, we so often are driven uh, by what we see to begin to pursue or think too much about things that lead us away from our spouse or the person that we're, we're dating. And it's true as much within the church as it is outside the church. So those who claim to follow Jesus as those who don't. That, that pornography is one of those things that gets its hooks into us in a way that that causes us to step outside of what God would have us to experience within our relationships with our spouses. Does that make sense? And pursuing purity isn't just about like drawing a line and saying, I'm not going to cross that physically with someone else. It's about having some checks and balances internally that any time we're we're driven to to move towards something that we look at, that we would step away from that. I, I grew up in the church and... Uh, if if you 've ever been in youth ministry or if you 're ever a youth and, and uh, a kid and you went to church, your youth group, the number one questions kids ask their youth pastors you know what it is when it comes to relationships um, how far is too far like that 's what we want to know physically like intimately like how far is too far with my girlfriend or my boyfriend like how far is too far and and so we learn and 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 there 's an answer like most. <laughs> Youth pastors have an answer for that. And so it's like we learn that we can get as close to that without crossing that. And, um, and, and we can just keep inching up to it and inching up to it. And, and, and we think it's outward. It's, it's behavioral. And I'm, like I would say to us, to our students, but to our adults as well, it's as much our mind and our heart as it is our activity. I mean, Jesus even said this. You know, it's when we lust, like, that's just as bad as when we active, actively participate because because it leads us down a path. And so I would say this, when you're pursuing um, purity, magnify the consequences in your mind. Magnify them. Like, don't, don't try to shrink the consequences and say, this isn't really a big deal. Like, make it bi- a bigger deal than it is. Like, this, like... Pursuing this avenue, like at night when everyone goes to bed and and I can't sleep because work is on my mind, like pursuing this avenue could lead to the destruction of my family. And then I would ask the question, is is it worth it? Is that worth it? Is looking at some images on a computer or on a TV or whatever it is, is that worth the destruction that could come in the closest relationships God's given you? And almost everyone who destroys a marriage or dating because of pornography, almost everyone says, I wish I could get away from it. I wish I could go back and change it. So let's pursue purity in our relationships. Um, Scripture says this, flee from sexual sin. It doesn't say um, turn your back on sexual sin. It says flee from it, like run from it. Get as far away from it as possible. Men, if pornography is an issue for you, then, then make a decision that you're not going to open your computer or your TV when anyone else is around. If no one else is in my house and in the room, I'm, I'm turning it off. It's, it's not going to come. I mean, flee from it. Don't even, don't even play with it. So flee from sexual sin. Get away from it. And one more thing I would tell you. Um, sometimes we have this idea that the grass is greener over there. So we look at somebody else's relationship and we say, oh, that's so much better like, that relationship, I wish we had that relationship. Like, they look like, you know, they have it all together. Like, they've been married so long, and look how they smile. I mean, Mike and Barry, I mean, you guys are always happy. You love each other. I wish we could be like you. Listen, if the grass is greener over there, it's time to water your own yard. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's time to water your own yard because... Because the only way someone else's grass gets greener, especially in the middle of a desert, is when they water it. You know what I mean? Like water your own yard. Like focus on your own relationship and how you can make it better rather than wishing you had something that you don't currently have. You can only get that if you begin to work on your own. So that's the first choice to pursue purity. The last choice as we've walked through the series, here's the last one, is to choose love daily. Now, if I started to, to, to say the famous love passage, love is, it's found in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. See, some of you know it. You've heard it. You've been to a wedding lately. Love is patient. Love is kind. Oh my goodness. Look at us quoting scripture. I love it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Like nothing in there is feeling-based. It's all choice-based. Like love is something you choose to do. Listen, in dating, in parenting, in marriage, patience does not come naturally, does it? You have to choose patience. You have to choose patience. Some of you are like, you should have seen my morning today. Like, getting to church was uh, God testing me on patience and love. Like, you've got to choose love every single day of your marriage. You you say this, and we say this in marriages, that that love um, isn't just the feeling that you have right there standing across from one another as you're committing to one another, but love is the choices you make each and every day. And so if you want to grow in love, if you want to water your own yard, you've got to choose love every single day. Uh, Super helpful resource when it comes to this is is the uh, five love languages. Have you ever, you guys know, most of you know the five love languages. Have you ever ever heard about this? The concept is all of us feel love a little bit differently. Um, All of us experience love a little bit differently. And there's some great resources out on this, but one of them is words of affirmation. So when someone speaks to me and affirms me, that's my way of feeling loved. Like, I, I feel most loved when my spouse speaks to me with words of affirmation. Or some of you might say, I feel most loved through physical touch. And that's not just intimacy. I mean, sometimes our minds go there, but, it, but it's the physical touch. So when I'm walking with my spouse or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or like when they hold my hand, I feel that that's an, a, an experience of love. So just simple physical touch, an arm around me. Some of you are, are like, I most feel loved when I receive a gift that's out of the blue. He sent me flowers just because. Like that's you feel loved because of that. Like it's just because it's it's little gifts and that makes you feel loved. Some of you it's acts of service. When when he like, irons clothes for me, like, I feel loved. Or, or when, I, when, when he does the dishes or when she does, you know, whatever that is. Like, I feel loved through acts of service. Or I feel loved through quality time. Last week, we talked about face-to-face fun, like playing games or having dinner or dessert across the table from one, of, one another. Some of you feel most loved in that kind of environment. Now, when I first came across the five love languages and someone asked me, which one is yours, Matt? When do you most feel loved? I said all of them. Like, I need all of them. (laughs) And someone said, that's super selfish. I'm like, I know, that's just who I am. (laughs) I need all of them. And and all of us, to some extent, need all of them. But there is one or two that, for you, is when you feel most loved and valued by those who are closest to you. This is true for children. And here's the challenge, um, is that most of us, so often we love in the way we feel loved right? We express love the way that we feel loved. And so choosing to love someone else is an exercising in discovering what their love language is and being willing to do something that may not be comfortable to you or natural to you so that they might feel loved. Does that make sense? That sounds really confusing. But it's just saying, you know what, I'm not just going to love the way I feel loved because my spouse or my kids or my boyfriend or girlfriend, they don't feel loved in that. So I need to choose to love them in the way that they feel loved. So here's one of the take-homes this week, is to talk to those closest to you and ask them a simple question, how do you f- most feel loved? Like when I do, what is it that I do that, that helps you most feel loved? And maybe you write it down right now, that's okay, you can write it down or take a picture and, and talk about that later, um, but it's so important that we begin to understand one another's, the differences, so that we might lo- choose to love one another in the ways that they feel valued and appreciated and loved. With this, choosing to love daily, one last thing. Um, this week has been one of those weeks where, where Robin and I have felt a little tension. Anybody else ever feel tension with your spouse? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I was praying, God, I'm, I'm preaching about from this day forward, and really, like, this is the moment that I need to feel tension with my spouse? It's just like one of those things. Um, I think that when you talk about it a lot, all of a sudden it kind of, create some, some, some tension. And so, um, been a little tension this week, mainly her fault. And, um, (laughs) and I began to realize that, um, over time in our closest relationships, we have certain reactions when we cause pain. So I'll, I'll, um, own up that usually the problems in our marriage are, are my fault. Um, we we have natural responses, and here are three responses to when we cause pain over time, and 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 when we begin to feel these things, it's important that we choose love above our natural response. So here's the first response. Um, some of you might get this one. When when I hurt, um, sometimes when I unintentionally hurt my spouse or my kids, my first reaction is defensiveness because I don't want to be wrong. Anybody with me? Come on, please. Yeah, like it's defensive. Like I'm going to dig in my heels, and it's almost like I'm saying I don't really care that I hurt you. Now that's not true. I do, but but when I get super defensive, it almost feels like I don't care. Um, another response is is remorseful. I'm I'm sorry. I wish I wish that wouldn't have been the case. But it's just remorse. It's just. There's sorrow for what I did there. Um, I have a really good friend um, in another state, so I'm not talking about anyone here. I have a really good friend who uh, he hates conflict, especially in his marriage. And so this is his number one response I'm sorry. Anything like, hey, the other day when you said that, I'm sorry, before even she gets it out, I'm sorry. Like, he doesn't want conflict, he doesn't want any of it. So he doesn't get defensive at all, like what, what's natural to me. He just goes to, I'm sorry. He wants no conflict, and we all know that avoiding conflict does not avoid conflict. It just prolongs conflict. The last response is the response of love, and it's this concept of repentance, which is found throughout Scripture, that it's not about, it's not, I don't care. It's not just, I'm sorry, but it's the difficult work of saying, why did I make you feel that way? Why did I cause that pain, and how can I do things differently next time? It's going in a new direction. And that's what God calls us to just in life in general is repentance. Repentance isn't just saying, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. It's, it's about saying, oh, I, I am remorseful. I'm, I am sorry to the point that I am going to go in a new direction. I'm going to try to do things differently. And that's what it means to choose love is to sit with those who are closest to us and say, when I hurt you, which I will inevitably do, I mean, all of us will hurt the people closest to us. How is it that we can do this differently the next time this comes up, whatever that next time is? Does that make sense? Are you with me there? Yeah. So choosing love. Um, We're going to do something uh, a little bit different uh, as we kind of wrap up our time together today. You have this little card in front of you. And um, what we've wanted to do is, is to give all of us an opportunity to, to say, what's one of the things that we've talked about that may be helpful to pursue from this day forward with those who are closest, whether it's your kids, uh, marriage or whatever. And so here are, the, here are some of the things we've talked about. Keeping Christ central, seeking God together, communicating, having serious fun, pursuing purity, love, serve one another daily, and, and maybe for the next few moments to, to sit with the person next to you or just on your own and kind of work through this and say, this is what I want to commit to. Now, some of you who are single, and, and you sometimes wonder, does this have anything to do with me? Yes, 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 yes. Like there, there's something maybe that jumps out at this that you say, I've never had this in a relationship, and I want to pursue this in my next relationship or my current relationship. And so I would say even if you're single, this could be a great like, thing to commit to. Now, um, in the ancient world, uh, when Jesus was around, Wedding ceremonies um, often happened under uh, what was called a, a, a chupa or uh, hopa is one of the ways you can say it. And uh, we have a couple of them that um, we're going to set up in the room today. And it's, it's a beautiful concept, the idea behind it, some of the background. And it's just a simple um, four-pillar wood stand with a talit across the top or a prayer shawl across the top of it. And when a couple in Jesus' day, a Jewish couple would get married, they would stand underneath this, and there were symbolic pieces of, of why they stood under it. It represented their first house together, or a home, and there's obviously no furniture under this, and so the concept was a home is built not by what you have in the home, but by who's in the home. So it's the people. There's no walls, there's no drapes hanging over this, and part of the concept there was that our homes are to be open and we are to be hospitable to people outside of the home. And in the shawl, the prayer shawl that covers it, the the concept is God's blessing or covering is to be over us. So uh, couples who wanted to get married would stand under this and make their commitments underneath this, symbolically saying we want God's covering to be uh, over us. Does that make sense? And so what we thought we would do... um, is we would give you the opportunity to stand under one of these, whether you're married, you're moving towards marriage, you're not married one day, you want to be married, and, and to say, I want to commit to these things. And just to stand under one, um, we, we're going to have a couple of pastors uh, next next to these, and if you want a pastor to say a prayer of blessing over you, they'll do that. Um, just fill that little card out and hand it to the pastor and they'll be able to pray over your names as you stand under it. You might want to stand under it by yourself and and just you and your spouse or you by yourself and you want to say your own prayer. That's fine. We just want to give you space. Now, uh, it's kind of a risk. Like nobody may stand under the hopa today, but for us building it um, so we would have the visual of that was important to say uh, it's important to, over our closest relationships, to have the covering of God. The blessing of God over us. So we want to give you the opportunity to do that. Uh, The cross is here. Some of you might want to slip up to the cross and write a prayer request and put it on the cross. Uh, Candles in the back of the room uh, represent God's presence. That light represents God's presence. So maybe you want to light a candle. Many of you do that week to week as your response, asking God to be with you or with a loved one. Uh, communion is set up in the back of the room as well so maybe you want to take communion and be reminded of, of the sacrifice of Jesus today we, we, we want to give you space we're going to sing some songs some old ones and some new ones as we do this um, but we want to give you just some space to to maybe commit from this day forward to, to a new direction does that make sense? yeah um, they're going to move one of these up here to the middle so there'll be one right here and then there'll be one back in the back um, for those who don't want to Come down to the front. And in case you're worried, we're taking pictures of everyone standing under. We're not. I'm going to say a prayer for us and then I'm going to ask you to stand as we just kind of walk through this time together. God, um, you are a God of grace and hope and love and healthy directions. And so um, some of us in this time are committing to a new direction from this day forward. And we pray that your covering, your grace, your love would be over us as we make those decisions. Whether it's uh, getting back on the same page, seeking God together, uh, keeping Christ central, or uh, whether it's about our communication, the ways that we communicate with one another in order to connect, whether it's, God, I've I've heard from some uh, who just have quit having fun with one another. So maybe the commitment is just to have some fun together, to date one another Uh, once again. God, for some it's about purity. It's so easy to get off track and to get hooked by certain things in our culture. And um, so some of us are going to commit to pursuing purity and then others, um, God, we've, we've stopped loving one another. The choices are for ourselves, not for our spouses, not for our loved ones, not for our kids. And so that's the commitment. So God, whatever the commitment is today, we pray that your spirit would fill us, lead us, guide us, and we pray that you would cover us in all things. May these responses be pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So would you stand with me as, uh, as we worship and just feel the freedom to move around the room.